So I want to talk about participate and, and looking at what does it take to move from cultural faith to authentic faith. And, and you may say, I've never heard those terms, cultural faith and authentic faith. So I, I want to just define them for a minute. So many of you may have grown up knowing God or, or going to church, or maybe some of you, you've really not known God. You've not gone to church. That's not what your family did. Whatever your upbringing was or, or is, I'm kind of looking at that as that's the cultural faith that you've had. It's been your faith journey. Whether it was a positive experience, a negative experience, or no experience at all, that's still part of what your faith journey was. But as a church and as a community of believers, we're not satisfied with where we're, where we're at or how we've grown up. Our, our goal is we want to look into what the Word of God has to say and we want to start living in an authentic way, in a way that would reflect who Jesus is, that, that we would make a difference in this world, you know? And, and I, I know that, that God has a path for all of us, and, and I, could, I could explain that path maybe in four different stepping stones. The first one would be coming to know God. And then the second one would be finding freedom in, in who He is. And the third would be discovering what my purpose is here on earth, and then lastly, making a difference. Right, that God calls us all to make a difference. Not that we would get stuck at, okay, I know him, I'm good. I found freedom. Nope, you're not good. Maybe you just got another first down. It's not the touchdown yet. Even when you discover, God, this is what you've called me to, that's only another first down. You haven't found what God has had intended for you. It's only when you start to make a difference. You get engaged. You participate in life in such a way that you're, you're doing and you're being about God's will for your life. That's when you've got the touchdown, when you're making a difference. So what does it look like to move from that cultural faith to authentic faith? And, and I'll begin here with a, a question or two questions. So think for yourself, what does it mean to have authentic faith? Does that represent you? Does it represent me? And then how do we participate with God to move, move the ball from our, a cultural faith to an authentic faith? So I, I want to start off by looking at this word participate and quoting something from Experiencing God written by Blackaby where he says, what is God doing and how do I come alongside it? And I love this, I love this question, what is God doing? Because for me, it's, it's like looking at this podium but from the other side. Because so often I ask myself, what am I doing? What do I think God wants me to do? And it's not, no God, what are you doing? You see the difference? Right? Oftentimes, we'll approach the Father and say, well, this is, what, this is the situation, this is what I think you want me to do, instead of just stopping and saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? And I think this, this whole opportunity to participate, if I could use the Guatemala team, some of them had never been on a mission trip. They didn't know what it was going to be, but you know what? They were available. They said yes. Ernie said yes, <laughs> and now he wants to go again. Funny thing, right? Um, but participating starts with being available and then saying, okay, God, now that I'm here, now that I'm available, what are you doing and how do I come alongside you? And you know, the funny thing is that what we see in the life of Jesus is that even though Jesus was God, he still asked the same question, God, what are you doing and how do I come alongside you? And you may say, well, wait a minute, Jesus was God. Why did he have to ask? Well, Jesus was, was God made man. He was fully man. He operated in the power of the Holy Spirit like you and I are given the opportunity to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what we find in, in John 5, 19. Jesus explains, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. So that's what participation looks like. It's not that we create 
what, what it is we're supposed to do. We've got to be listening to our Father and saying, God, what is it that you'd have me do? God, what is it you're already doing in my midst? And now how would I come alongside you? So I recognize this as I'm in, engaged in this conversation, talking from cultural faith to authentic faith, talking about participation. Some of you may be thinking, Greg, I have no idea what you're talking about. Hearing God, knowing God, Jesus, this doesn't make any sense to me. So, so I want to just back up for a minute and start off with, okay, what does it look like to start an authentic relationship with Jesus, right? So wherever you're at, what would it look like to just take that first step to start uh, and make progress in an authentic relationship with Jesus? And, and I'm going to use and mirror something from the Bible and also a testimony from, from what happened in Guatemala, right? So we were down there, and, and one of the houses that we visited, uh, we were with Tita, who is the, she's like the, um, the, um, she's the person in charge of Vitas Planis, which is the four different academies there. So we're going on a house visit with her, and we, we go into the home of an 87-year-old woman. And this woman, you know, has had 19 children. And I'm like, 19 kids, that's unbelievable. Does anybody know another person that's ever had 19 children, right? So I'm skeptical, and I'm thinking, okay, blended family. It must be, you know, yours, mine, ours kind of thing. Nope. 19 children, one husband, one at a time. And I'm like, you are a saint or superwoman. I don't know what to call you. But she's had 19 kids. And now here's the tragic part of the story. She only has like nine kids living because 11 of them or, or 10 of them have passed away either through murder or being shot, what, what have you, right? It's just, it's tragic to see how the people live. And, and herself, she can hardly breathe because her vocation for all these years has been making tortillas, now, hey, the way you and I make a tortilla might be over an open flame or we'd have a machine. She's over a campfire, a wood fire in her hut. It's smoke is filling it up. You know, they got a little, little open area for the smoke to go out. But she's been breathing smoke fumes for all of her life. And it's, it's been the same as if she's been smoking cigarettes, right? It's just given her COPD. And she's had a tough time breathing. But we go and, and Tita's, Tita shares this scripture with her and starts to ask her, hey, what does it mean? So, so this was the scripture Tita read, uh, John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And Tita asked her in Spanish, I don't remember the woman's name, but, and, and I wish I could have a picture, but we're very sensitive not to take pictures always in the home because uh, it just it makes them feel awkward, so we don't want to do that. Uh, but Tita asked her this question, and, and she says, well, what, is it, what did Jesus mean when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life? And the woman answers, well, I'm Catholic, and I've been raised Catholic, and I go to the Catholic church, and that's all I know. And, and you know what? That's the way some of us have grown up. I grew up that way. That, that's all I knew. I'd never read this scripture before. And, and Tita starts to explain to her, well, but why would Jesus say he's the way? And, and this woman was just kind of getting hung up. I don't know what Jesus means, but I'm a Catholic. I go to the Catholic church. And, you know, I could tell that through the Spanish and the English, maybe I wasn't getting everything. But um, I just got a sense that, you know what, God, maybe you have more for this woman. Um, so I, I want to share an example in Scripture where I see Paul preaching to the Athens. And he does something marvelous in terms of understanding where they're at and then moving and helping move them from a cultural to an authentic faith and use this as an example and also use it as a parallel to, this, to the testimony I have from Guatemala. So we see in, in Acts 17, verses 16 through 34, it starts off with Paul is waiting for, for them at Athens, and his spirit's provoked 
within him because he's observing a city full of idols. And you know what? I don't know what cultural issues you face, but this is what Paul was facing. He, he walks into a city, and the city is full of idols. They're full of people that are worshiping idols. And now, how am I supposed to minister God's love in a situation like this? We all face cultural issues. How are we supposed to minister what God would have us minister in, in, in this space? So Paul starts, maybe like some of us might start in 16 through 21, He's face-to-face with the culture, and he sees idols everywhere, and he starts to try to reason with them. Hey, guys, you know what? God would, would not have you worship this idol. He'd really have you worship him, and it's not really going so well. He's debating with the philosophers. They're, they're looking at him saying, Paul, you've got a new teaching. You've got strange ideas. We don't know what you're talking about. And then if we fast forward and, and we continue the story in verse 22, so Acts 17, 22, we'll find Paul saying this. He stands before the council and they give him an, an opportunity to address them. And he says, men of Athens, I notice that you're very religious in every way. For I was walking along and saw your many shrines and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He's the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And Paul goes on to explain to them who Jesus is. So there is a shift in what Paul did with the people of Athens. He started to try to contradict what they believed in terms of you can't believe in idols and this and that and debating. And then he shifts gears intentionally and says, you know who you are? You are religious people in every way because I've seen all your temples and I've seen all your gods. And there's one that you have that's an unknown God and, and I think God sent me here to tell you about that unknown God. And in an instant, he had a connection with them that he, he would never have gotten trying to argue. He'd never have gotten trying to, to uh, um, strategize and, and convince them in, in a worldly ph- philosophical way. But God just gave him something. And, and you know what? I believe he saw what God was doing and came alongside the Spirit of God. And that gave him this technique. So, so we're there with Tita. And Tita is trying to explain what is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And, and it's really not working so well. So I said, Tita, could I share with this person? And I said, you know what, ma'am? You've grown up Catholic. I grew up Catholic too. The Catholic faith and traditions are wonderful. And the, the fact that you've had 19 children, like God bless you, that has been amazing. But let's talk about when you met your husband. Like, when did you start having children? Was it before you were married or after you were married? Oh, no, it was after we were married. Okay, so what was significant about you getting married? Well, you know what? We committed our lives to one another. We, we entered a covenant. And she understood all that. And I said, so there was a day where, where while you were in relationship with your husband, you made a covenant with him, and that really started you off on a lifelong journey with your husband, growing a family, having children, and she totally understood where I was going or, or where, what I had said. And I said, you know what? So for Jesus to be the way, the truth, and the life, it's kind of like, Maybe you know about him just like you knew about your husband, but there was a day where you both came to the altar and you made a commitment to one another and a covenant that you're going to enter into a relationship, a marriage relationship. I said, God invites, God invites us all to that same relationship with him, that, that we could come and in a sense be married to him, give our lives to him because he's given his life for us and paid the price for our sin. I said, have you ever entered into a relationship like that with Jesus? And she was very quick, like, no, I've not. Now, 
while that was a natural thing for me, it's really not that natural for me to do that. I got to admit, I'm speaking in English. It's being translated to Spanish. Why did God give me that idea? I, I can only expect that was him. I, I don't know why. But whenever we take a step of faith like that and, and we put a question to someone, have you ever invited Jesus to, have a relate, you know, to, to be in relationship with him, that you would give your life to him, that he would, because he's already given his life for you. We're kind of putting our necks out, aren't we, when we do something like that? And, and, and if I would be nervous at all, it's, God, I hope this works, I hope this works, I hope this works. But it's not up to me. It's not up to you. It's up to God. And now jumping back into Acts, let's read the rest of the story about what happened with Paul. It said when in verse 32, when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. But others stated, we want to hear more about this later. And that ended, in Paul's, that ended Paul's discussion with him right then. But some joined him and became believers. So, you know, when, when we're used by God, when we see God move and we come alongside him, the results are not up to us. The results are up to him. But we have to trust that, God, okay, you've brought me here for such a time as this that I'm just going to be your mouthpiece and I'm going to be obedient and share what you've put in my heart to share. And that's really all I could do with this woman when I invited her. Hey, have you ever... Have you ever started a relationship with Jesus? She said, no. And then my next question was simply, okay, would you like to? Because the way we start a relationship with Jesus is it's intentional and we pray. And she was so quick to say, yes. So we prayed together and she, she received Jesus as her, as her savior. And, and afterwards, talking with Tita, Tita kind of had a revelation, gave us the backstory. She said, we've been there before and we've talked to her about Jesus and we've kind of pushed Jesus on her and had her say a prayer with us, but it was clear to me when you asked her, does she have a relationship with Jesus? She said, no, flat out, no. There wasn't any shadow of doubt. But when you invited her, hey, would you like to pray? Would you like to start? She was so convinced, like Tita recognized something had changed in this woman when she said yes. Um, and I believe it was a genuine conversion for her. So, so what was the difference? It was this, we have to understand that we're all moving from knowing God to to understanding, uh, finding freedom in him, to understanding what our purpose is, to making a difference, right? And, and she hadn't even started to know God. She, she had been raised Catholic, but to her, that's, well, I, I can't tell you anything more about faith other than I go to the Catholic Church. She had no concept of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. That day, she started down the road of, I, now I know God personally. I, I can have a relationship with him. And, and all of us, no matter what our backgrounds, no matter how we've grown up, we have this cultural faith of, of whatever that was, but God wants to move us. So where are you today in that continuum? Have you, have you met Jesus? Do you know him as your savior? Would you say that you're in relationship with him? You know what, today after service, I love if, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, come up and talk to me. I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. He, he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. If you've already met Jesus and you know him, well, have you found freedom? Maybe that's the step you're at. You know what? There's a lot of things in our lives that hang us up. There's roadblocks, there's strongholds, there's all kinds of things, addictions. God came to set us free. He said that he came that we would have life and that more abundantly. If you don't know his abundant life, God wants you to find that freedom. But then once you've found freedom, what is your purpose? We all need to discover our purpose, and that, that takes prayer. That takes understanding. God, who am I? What's the, what's the talents and the gifts? 
Some of it may be, I need, to, I need to explore. I need to go on a mission trip. I need to go serve with 1269, go to the food pantry. I need to get outside myself and just start exploring, God, what is it that you've called me to do? But I'm telling you, saints, there's nothing that's, that's more of a blessing in your life, and you will never feel so full of love and God as when you feel like you're making a difference in his name, right? And, and that's what God has called us all to do. So what, what was the result with Paul? Some laughed, some believed. The, the result in Guatemala when I invited this 87-year-old woman, if she wanted to start a relationship with Jesus, she's like, yes, I do. And we were able to pray together, and she was able to, to find life in Jesus Christ. So as we close today, I would like to, ask you, like to ask you all this question. So where are you in your faith journey? Do you know God today? Or, or maybe you've never heard of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. There's an open invitation. If you don't know Jesus, I'd love to introduce you to him. But it's, it's something similar to coming to the altar like on your wedding day. It's not just that, oh, hey, you know what? I got my boyfriend, my girlfriend. I'm living with him. Life is good. Yeah, that's good. You have some sort of relationship, but there's a difference started when you make a commitment and you come to the altar. I think we all know what I'm talking about. And there, there's a difference when you come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life because you've already given your life and paid the price for my sin. So help me, Jesus. I want to start a relationship. So maybe if, if, if you're there or if you're not there, please come see me after. But then what's the next step in having an authentic faith? Maybe you're stuck and there's something holding you back. You need to find freedom over something. God has that freedom for you. He doesn't, he doesn't want to leave you in bondage. He doesn't want to leave you with that addiction. He's paid the price to set us free. So now let's enjoy the freedom. Let's experience that freedom. What's that next step? Maybe it's discovering your purpose. And you're like, I need prayer because, God, I don't know why I'm here, what you've called me to do. But I'm, I'm telling you, when you can walk through those three things and you get to the point where, wow, I'm being used by God, I'm making a difference, it's as simple as saying, God, here I am, I'm available, show me, right? And now we ask this question, how can we practice looking for what God is doing and coming alongside him? So, as you know, I preached in first service and a woman came up to me afterwards, her name was Debbie, and I told her I was going to share her story, she said it was all right. And she said, you know, something you said a couple of weeks ago, you, you mentioned that story about when you're out to dinner and you ask the waiter or waitress, hey, we're going to pray. Is there anything I can pray for you for? She goes, so I was out to dinner with my family. My husband doesn't come to church. He's not a believer, but my kids do, do come, and, and we come together. And she goes, frankly, I was thinking about it when, when the person took our order, but I was too chicken to say anything, so I didn't say anything. But then when I'm paying the bill, I ask the waitress, hey, I'm going to pray tonight before I go to bed. Is there anything I can pray for you for? She said this person opened up and was so touched about that expression of love that she would just ask her, could I pray for you? Yes, there is. And, and she shared her prayer request. And her, her husband on the way home said, honey, that was beautiful. Like, I've never seen you do that. So it was a witness to her unsaved husband. It was a witness to the, to the waitress. And she was used by God. And, you know, it's as simple as that. Now, was that God moving and her coming alongside him? I believe it was. I believe it was. It just took a small step of faith for her. You know, or maybe the step of faith is pick up one of these cards on your way out of here. And, and now if you're in conversation with someone, you just start to talk about Jesus and say, hey, I'd like to invite you to come to my church. It's a small thing. But you know what? We all have those opportunities to make a difference. And I'm telling you, when, when you start to walk down that path of, of having your faith be authentic to the point where you feel like you can share it and make a difference, it's going to revolutionize your, your life in, in Jesus. So would you stand with me as we close in prayer?
Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you this morning for your word that Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through him. Lord, that's what we want, God. We, we want to experience and know you. God, we want to find freedom in you. We want to understand what our purpose is, God, and we want to make a difference this morning and, and for the rest of our lives. And, and God, wherever we are on that continuum, Lord, I pray that you would show us what is that next step to move forward, Lord. God, what is it that you're doing and how do we come alongside you? So Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you would speak to each one of us and we're just gonna take a moment, saints. I'm gonna ask God to speak to you. God, what is it that you'd have? Lord, what is our next step to move forward? And Lord, I, I believe that as we've asked in faith, whatever thoughts are coming to our minds right now, God, I, I believe that those thoughts are from you. And, and maybe some here this morning need to come forward for prayer. Lord, maybe some need to turn to their neighbors and, and just uh, proclaim a little bit about what you've done in their life. God, maybe it's when we, when we leave here, there's something you have for us. But God, we're open. We're, we're praying and asking, God, that, that we're available, that you would use us. Lord, that we would, we would we ask you, God, what is it that you're doing and how do we come alongside you? God, use us, change us, help us reflect your image. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Shiloh, have a blessed day. And if, if uh, you're here and would like to talk with me, I'm available after service.